Let's go! All right, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Sunday's Finest Podcast. I am Jake Nagy, and I'm here with tomorrow's birthday boy, Mr. Jacob Morris. Oh, boy. It's the worst birthday of your life, coming off of my parents' uh, health insurance. So, <laughs> that is not true, one man. I'm celebrating. Yeah, that's me in a month. So, uh, I'm going to the dentist in about an hour, <laughs> <laughs> as I heard you did just the other day, Jacob. <laughs> yeah, I have had many close run-ins with the dentist as of late, trying to yes. get everything taken care of before I come off the old insurance. So, Take care of your teeth, boys. It is, it is not worth it. It is not worth it to to go four Mondays in a row and get get eight cavities yeah. taken care of. So. Yikes! Yeah, uh, one cavity for each loss so far this season, Jacob. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't, yeah, couldn't help it. <laughs> that was that was uncalled for, but we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's that's no way to treat the uh, the birthday boy here. Well. Uh, with that to the side, man, we are going to uh, go through some some top fives, uh, some some rankings here of a few different categories, um, some top five best draft picks, top five worst draft picks, top five best waiver ads, best trades, and at the very end, the top five contenders. So, Jay Moore, let's get right into it. Top five best draft picks. So far, we are... Uh, a little over halfway through the regular season, which is insane, man. I feel like this off season was just an eternity, as this whole freaking year has been. But uh, we are eight weeks through our 13-week regular season. Um, we are coming down the stretch into playoff contention. Um, no longer looking at anomalies. We are looking at some pretty solid data. So as we take a look at this, eight weeks in, Jacob... Who do you think uh, is one of the top five draft picks of the 2020 season? Uh, I mean, the the two that stand out to me are obviously when you look at the top five, you know, top ten, whatever you want to look at, receivers in the league, um, Calvin Ridley and Tyler Lockett. Anyone across all of fantasy football, wherever they drafted them, they got good value for them, right? Because – Nobody was drafting them as top five, you know, even maybe top ten wide receivers this year, and um, they both have just been out of this world. So, uh, you know, kudos to to Jackson and Chase uh, who took Lockett and uh, Calvin Ridley. You know, you got outstanding value for those two guys, and uh, those are the kind of middle round picks that you're looking for to hit, um, you know, and and they hit big for those guys. So, yeah, man, absolutely, and I. I think it's worth mentioning the the picks just before uh, Calvin Ridley and Tyler Lockett were taken back-to-back, currently wide receiver one and wide receiver two, um, were Le'Veon Bell, uh, Leonard Fournette, Kenny Galladay, and David Johnson. Um, I think all of those owners are wishing <laughs> wishing they may have, uh, have gone in a different direction there. Of course, um, all those guys have a, a chance to come back. None of them are on our, our top five worst draft picks, but... But certainly, uh, the fact that Ridley and Lockett fell down the board, um, you've got to be, got to be happy if you're Jackson or Chase with with those two selections. For me, I think the other one that that has to be mentioned here would be uh, DK Metcalf. Uh, we talked about wide receiver one, wide receiver two. DK is wide receiver three on the season. Um, the fact that there are two Seahawks wide receivers uh, in the top <laughs> top three in the league. 
uh, should tell you uh, what what Russ has been doing now that they finally let him cook. But uh, DK actually was the eighth pick of the fourth round, which is just crazy, man. If you consider there's 14 keepers, um, DK was the the uh, let's see here would have been the the 64th player to come off the board if I'm doing my math correctly. Um, so the 64th player to come off the board, and he is sitting at wide receiver three. Uh, just incredible value there for Steph. I think it's one of the reasons why he uh, is one of the biggest contenders for a championship this season. Um, Devonte and DK uh, is just an unbelievable, unbelievable stack having uh, two of the top wide receivers in the league. So, yeah, I think I think that uh, is pretty pretty remarkable pick there for Steph. Yeah, you know, I, I always get caught up on preseason headlines and whether to buy into them or not. Uh, one, for example, was uh, Bruce Arians came out before the season and said that Gronk looked better than he had ever looked, and he looked like 2016 Gronk and all of this just BS that he was blowing smoke up people. And uh, so, you know, we start to learn to ignore them because, oh, they're just hype or they're just trying to manipulate the media. And then we saw, you know, Seahawks are going to throw the ball and Seahawks are going to open up the offense. And we all probably rolled our eyes and uh, they were telling the truth. They were they were being yep. so cold honest there. So that that's <laughs> that's tough. Yeah, it really is, man. It really is. It is hard to know sometimes what. What is being uh, just kind of put out there, and especially this season without being able to watch any preseason action, right? We really didn't get a, as close of a look at at, at uh, any guys in real game action. And so I think stuff in training camp, it was either extremely overreacted to or or underreacted to. We just didn't really know what to make of it. And yeah. for me, that, that brings up another one of the, the top picks here. That's Kareem Hunt, the third pick of the ninth round for Trent and Hunter. Uh, Kareem Hunt is currently sitting at RB6 on the season, which is pretty remarkable considering the, the five guys who kind of uh, sit above uh, sit above him. Most of them were either keepers or one of the top three picks in the draft. Um, awesome value for Kareem Hunt. Um, of course, aided by the fact that uh, uh, Nick Chubb went down with injury pretty pretty early on in the season. We're, we're happy. Hopefully he's going to be back uh, after this week, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I think Kareem put up better numbers for the most part when Nick Chubb was uh, in the lineup. So uh, I think that's promising if you're you're Trent and Hunter um, having Kareem Hunt there. And part of that is he gets a lot of receptions. He has four receiving touchdowns this season. Actually, uh, three rushing touchdowns, four receiving touchdowns. So, you know, you're getting that much action out of the backfield, both in the passing game um, and obviously a lot of a lot of touches now that um, he's kind of the the main guy there in Cleveland. Awesome value if you're uh, if you're trying to hunter. Yeah, yeah, I gotta agree there. I mean, it's always tricky when you get a guy who hits, you know, with an injury. Uh, you obviously want to be glad that your guy, you know, is going to get more touches, but you also don't want to cheer on injuries. So like we had, we took Jonathan Taylor in week one. Uh, Marlon Mack had that bad injury and was going to be out for the year, and me and Zach just kind of looked at each other in disbelief of like. Do we want to celebrate right now because we just hit the lottery on Jonathan Taylor, or do we want to feel bad because Marlon Mack just had a horrible injury? He's going to be out for the rest of the year. So, um, yeah, I mean, kudos to, to Kareem Hunt, and we all knew he was good. He's kind of one of those head scratchers where he shoved a woman with the front part of his foot, and all of a sudden his NFL career came crumbling down, uh, and then the Chiefs, 
you know, let him go. And then the Browns did the smart thing and said, hey, look, let's give this guy a second chance. Even And we all knew Kareem Hunt was a stud. I mean, his first year in Kansas City became very apparent that Kareem Hunt was a stud. So we knew whoever took a chance on him was going to get a stud, and uh, it's panned out that way. So kudos yeah. to the Browns. Yep. Yep, and uh, the fifth one here, uh, I feel I feel a little little wrong doing this, but uh, uh, I will throw out stuff on Diggs as one of the top five picks. If I'm allowed to do that, I'm probably ducking right now at the things being thrown at me. Um, I am obviously biased there, but uh, the last pick of the 14th round, so the 70th player off the board, and he is currently sitting at wide receiver six. Um, Josh Allen just, I mean, just zones in on this guy. He he. Gets so many targets, um, and the Bills' passing game has really dropped off over the last couple of weeks. Um, Josh Allen went from being, you know, the kind of guy, Jacob, you said a couple weeks ago, as long as Josh Allen keeps doing great, we're going to keep winning games. Well, he he hasn't. Um, he hasn't been great these last four weeks. He's averaging only about 14 points, um, but Diggs is still getting his, his targets, still getting his points, still getting in the end zone. So, uh, pretty happy with that Stephon Diggs pick. It is wild when you consider um, that of the top six wide receivers so far in the league this season, um, most of them were taken uh, towards the back half of the second round, back half of the third round, or sorry, the back half of the second round and the back half of the fourth round. Um, pretty remarkable. The other three being uh, DK Hopkins, DK Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyreek Hill, and Devonte Adams, who are all. Uh, keepers are very early picks so a lot of good uh kind of mid early uh uh value there a wide receiver i think that's been a been a trend a bit over the last couple of years in sunday's finest um most of the top draft picks at least value wise were wide receivers not running backs i think i think the running backs are found as keepers and at the top of the draft so those are our top five best draft picks jacob Let's get into the top five worst draft picks. I think this is a little more fun, to be perfectly honest. Uh, who who you want to start off by roasting? <laughs> who you know what? You know, I'll, I'll be I'll, I'll be fair to everyone else, and I'll start with I'll start with myself. Uh, <laughs> right. We took Cam Akers. Um, we took him in the third round, uh, and I believe it was right at the turnaround of the third round. So really, yeah. it could have been the second round um, for as far as anyone's concerned. Uh, so. Cam Akers, you know, we, we went with a pretty heavy dice roll strategy, and, and I'll stick to my guns a little bit, and that I do still think Cam Akers is the most talented back in that trio. Um, but for whatever reason, there was a rib injury. There have been some unproductive touches. There have been just a variety of, like, Sean McVay saying he's the guy and then not having him actually play a single snap the following game. So there's just been some NFL-isms that have happened and that offense that have prevented Cam Akers from seeing any relevant uh, participation on the field. Um, but re- recently this week, I think Henderson got hurt and Akers all of a sudden got a few more touches. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll utilize Zach's never dying optimism and say that that Akers pick might turn around. But that that's definitely looking like like it's one of the worst picks of the year. It's it's, it's hurt us bad. Well, I'll tell you this, man. I was actually looking for kind of the draft recap for this year and I, I went back and looked at the 2018 draft, and I took a picture of your draft that year because it was honestly astounding. Your first pick, Dalvin Cook. Your second pick, Saquon Barkley. Your third pick, Allen Robinson. Your sixth pick, Robbie Anderson. Seventh pick, Gio Bernard. And your 11th pick, Lamar Jackson. I mean, uh, you, you got you got quite an eye, Jacob, for uh, for scouting out some, some young NFL talent. Uh, the fact that you went Dalvin, Saquon, Allen Robinson – 
kind of back to back to back there is, is pretty ridiculous. And I think obviously your Jonathan Taylor pick panned out pretty well. You guys ended up trading him, but um, he's looked, he's looked pretty solid. I think you've got the, the go big or go home kind of, uh, of eye at the draft. And that's won you a championship. That's certainly more than, than I can say. And more than half the league can say, um, and sometimes it blows up in your face a little bit. So you win some, you lose some, man. Um, but I think that your your strategy of, of you win some, you lose some, you win big and and you lose big. And, you know, yeah, that, that wasn't uh, uh, the best. But uh, I think you you still have a, a good eye for talent, talent evaluation. And I will uh, tip my hat to you there. I am going to go with uh, two of uh, who I think might have been two of the worst picks of the draft. And I'm just going to kind of lump them together here because it's the same owner. Um, and you know what? He shouldn't have too much to hang his head about because he is currently sitting at uh, tied for third, I guess technically the fourth seed in the league, and that's John Thompson. Uh, John took Kenyon Drake with the sixth pick uh, overall in this year's draft. That was before DeAndre Hopkins, before Julio, uh, before uh, a lot of guys he could have had there. That's That's kind of... Uh, not been a great pick. I know you were pretty critical of that. That's really only the, the one bust, I think, in the first round that's not just due to injury. I mean, you could you could put the number one pick overall. We took Saquon first overall, and he got us like 10 points in the whole season. But uh, yeah, for the most part, we're going to exclude that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to, you know, have guys who, who, you know, Miles Sanders, Eckler, some of those guys have had injuries, so we're going to put that to the side. But I think Kenyon Drake was a bit of a swing and a miss at six overall. And then the other one, I, I think this might be the worst pick of the draft. The sixth pick of the third round, John took T.Y. Hilton, who is currently <laughs> without really injury. You know, he hasn't missed, like, multiple games due to injury. He's been a little questionable, but he's played in almost every game. I think every game so far this season. T.Y. Hilton currently sits at wide receiver 87. Sixth pick of the third round. <laughs> that was uh, three picks before Kareem Hunt and a full round before D.K. Metcalf and Stephon Diggs, who we mentioned earlier. That uh, You don't love to see that. Yeah, you know, I don't have anything positive to say about T.Y. Hilton. Um, <laughs> I honestly could sit here and ponder it for the rest of the night, and I don't think I'd come up with anything. I, I think he missed his last game from getting Ben Gay in his eye or something after he had been rubbing it on his butthole. So I, I don't know. Uh, the dude just doesn't like to play football, and he's soft and ugly to, to boot. So I got nothing good to say about T.Y. Hilton. I told John that at the draft when he took him, so <laughs> – that, that ain't nothing but a big old batch of I told you so there. Yeah, that that is true. But despite that, John is the, the third lowest scoring team in the league, and yet he is currently sitting fourth in standings. He, he finds a way to make it work. Um, and he also had quite a few good waiver ads, which we will get to later on. So, John, don't be too mad at me yet, man. Uh, I got some good things to say about you later. <laughs> what else you got, Jay Moore? Any other, any other picks here you thought were particularly yikes? Um, you know, in, in hindsight, we praised, I, if I recall correctly, we praised Connor for locking up the Ravens backfield, but really he just locked up two guys that aren't startable, um, because they both split the touches. Right. So, um, I think the Ravens, I've watched every snap of every Ravens game this year and, uh, you know, not been too excited of what I've seen, but, um, you know, the Ravens are very, very committed to spreading touches. I think they're really committed to the idea of getting to the playoffs healthy, uh, which obviously didn't go well for them last week. But 
Um, you know, Ingram's not getting enough touches to be relevant. Dobbins isn't getting enough touches to be relevant. Um, Gus Edwards is the best back in that field, in that backfield, in my, in my opinion, and you, you really can't start him either. So, um, Connor locked up Dobbins and Ingram and we praised him for that. But now in hindsight, uh, looking back, it's just kind of like you, you got two guys that you really don't, aren't going to be excited about starting either of them. So, um, those hurt too. Yeah, they do indeed. And I think that's been part of, uh, Connor not being at his peak of what he's usually at. Although, uh, I think as we discussed in the last episode, Connor is four and four. He is still in the mix. Connor always finds a way to, to keep it interesting. Um, he's, He's not dead yet. Um, I'm going to go ahead with my my last kind of selection here for the top five worst picks um, and really not something to beat himself up about is DJ Shark, uh, the seventh pick of the third round for Steph. Of course, a round later, he took DK Metcalf. So uh, you win some, you lose some, and he certainly won more than he's he's lost. Uh, Steph is sitting at six and two, uh, looking great so far this season. But yeah, Shark has been, I think, he was the guy I, I just couldn't believe fell that far. Here's a guy I really liked, was really interested in. Um, and he has missed a game to injury, but at wide receiver 47, I mean, yeah, yikes, man. That's that's not what you want to see, um, especially these last few weeks. Um, you know, the Jags are just falling apart. I think they're, they're firmly in the camp along with uh, the Jets who refuse to fire Adam Gase because uh, they want Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think the Jags are in a pretty pretty hard uh, tank for Trevor as well as the Cowboys might be. Also, it's going to be it is going to be a hard rush to the bottom, um, no doubt about that. Uh, I think two other picks that were pretty looking pretty rough as of now, but do have the chance to bounce back would be Lev Bell and and Lenny. Um, both of those guys were early second round picks, which uh, has been a yikes so far. But both guys have a chance. I think they're both on extremely talented teams. Um, they are in uh, a crowded backfield at the moment, but I think could could see their stock rise a bit as the season goes on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those two are tricky. I think I think we all knew going into this year that there was a chance that we saw Lovebell and uh, Lenny make team changes. I think you know if you would have polled and asked people if we thought that was likely, I think we probably would have all said yes. So. Yeah. Um, that's now happened, and now it's just a matter of settling in, getting comfortable in the offense, watching your touches evolve, um, and just getting you know getting involved and seeing how productive they can be. So, yeah. Um, Le'Veon Bell, I think he's gotten like six touches each the last two weeks uh, in his first two weeks in Kansas City. So we'll just see. I mean, if if those six touches become twelve and those twelve become you know fifteen, then I, I definitely think uh, that could pay off. And I think we've already started to see. Leonard Fournette take over the lion's share um, yeah. over Rojo. So I think Rojo's having a little bit of some fumbling issues too. So I, I definitely think we could see Leonard Fournette take over. So, yeah, I do like those two picks of guys who uh, could turn it around. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, with that in mind, we are going to move on to our top five waiver ads so far this season. Um, guys who have spent their money wisely. Uh, I am going to start off with uh, a guy who um, – Frankly, I think uh, this one's gonna gonna sting a little bit. He was a, a pick for for you, Jacob, um, and that's Gronk. Since week three, Gronk is tight end six, and over the last three games, he's actually been the second best tight end in fantasy football. Picked up there by uh, Trent and Hunter for seventeen dollars. Um, that is a pretty pretty solid amount of value for uh, for a guy who, again, like you said, it's hard to know. Look really good, you guys. You draft him, then he comes out and looks 
uh, flat as a week old soda, and then uh, all of a sudden he's back. So that's a tough one. The other tight end I really like, uh, John picked up Robert Tanyan, uh, who is tight end five so far in the season, for zero dollars. So uh, an excellent, an excellent acquisition as well for John. Um, did miss on a couple draft picks, but obviously is still doing well because he's picked up a few guys like that. Yeah, Tanyan was a weird one for me. He was he was on my watch list. Uh, we knew we needed a tight end. We felt like Gronk wasn't getting the job done. Uh, the week we dropped him, you said he had been great since week three. We dropped him week three. Yeah. <laughs> um, because week three, uh, it was like the bottom of his – he, he didn't even run routes. I think he was on the field like four times the whole game. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't even trying to, to get receptions. And me and Zach were like, well, shit, they must have just signed him for a dummy or a distraction, you know? Yep. And uh, so we dropped him. Obviously, then he got more involved. He got more in the rhythm of things, which makes sense for a guy who had been retired for a year. I mean, we should have seen <laughs> that coming, but we didn't. We got impatient, uh, which probably being 0-3 at that point forced our hand a little bit. Had we won some games, we probably would have been more willing to be patient. Uh, but Tanyan was on our watch list, and I'm thinking in my head, like, of history of Aaron Rodgers, right? And these these yep. quarterbacks who like to target wide receivers never change, right? I mean, you've got these guys like Phillip Rivers. You, you knew wherever Phillip Rivers is going, he loves – guy loves to target his tight ends, you know? And then there's guys who just don't uh, for yep. whatever reason that it may be. Um, like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Guys who just like to push the ball downfield more. You're just not going to see yep. them target their tight ends very often. Yep. So, um you know, I'm, I'm trying to think back in time, and I'm like, you know what? The Jimmy Graham experiment failed so badly <laughs> yeah. in Green Bay. Uh, it just didn't go well. And then I'm and I'm thinking, like, okay, so is it really anything has changed for this Tanyan guy to do anything? Because he's obviously the number one tight end. But, uh, you know, we had him on our watch list, and we didn't do it. And John, John pulled the trigger, and it's, it's paid off big for him. It makes sense. So Rodgers yeah. has been great. He's getting back to his targeting the tight end ways of, of old. And uh, so, so good, for, good for John on taking the dice roll. It's paid off. Yeah, man. I think it's interesting, too, with them not drafting or bringing in any wide receivers. There was even some mention yesterday at the trade deadline. Maybe the Packers were looking at trading for Will Fuller, which made a lot of sense to me. I mean, it, Will Fuller is the definition of a guy who burns it down the field and, and can make those big, huge Aaron Rodgers plays that, you know, Rodgers just loves to, to kind of sling it downfield. I think before Mahomes, Rodgers was, was the guy who, you know, you drop back and you just are ready for the camera to all of a sudden swing 70 yards down the field dude loves to to gun it but uh mm -hmm. but yeah i think like you said tanyan is kind of maybe more of a an earlier career Aaron Rodgers guy um and, and good value for john there um i think uh there's two two here that that kind of pop off the page to me a little bit and and one thing to note is we're excluding from this list guys who were added and then kind of used as as trade pieces um, guys like Fulgham, Higgins, James Robinson, we'll get into that more in the trades. So these are guys like you picked up someone and you are using them on your team and they've been helpful for you. Just for, for clarification as, a, as our criteria here for best waiver ads. Um, I think there's two wide receivers here who stand out. Um, and both of them came at a price. Uh, that would be Justin Jefferson for $52 and Chase Claypool for $73. I think that's one Ooh. of, if not the highest... Uh, amount ever spent on a waiver ad but yeah two rookies two guys who have just been uh oh so fun to watch this season man um jefferson and claypool have both just been pretty electric uh and also guys who have had just massive games i mean you know thinking about some of the highest scoring games so far this season 
um, I believe that those two are, are near the top. Um, in fact, yeah, I believe uh, since the start of the season, let's see here, I'm pulling this up for us real quick. Uh, the highest scoring game so far this season, uh, Claypool comes in third highest. He had 42.6 points uh, a couple of weeks ago, and Jefferson had uh, 39.6. So um, on the season so far, these guys have two of the top six performances, weeks where they can go out and just just win it for you, frankly. So you love seeing that out of a guy you can bring in who was just sitting there for all of our taking. Um, so well done by by those guys picking up uh, Jefferson and, and Chase Claypool. Yeah, that was a little fun uh, fact for you. The first rookie receiver this year to come off the board was Zach and I taking Henry Rooks. And <laughs> I'm pretty sure Justin Jefferson's 39-point game, I'm pretty sure that's more points than Henry Rooks has scored all season. So... <laughs> Uh, we definitely uh, had a, a slew of rookie receivers this year that have been great. CeeDee Lamb, Jerry Judy, Jefferson, Claypool, all these guys that came into the league. And uh, the first one that came off the board was the one that's been the worst. So pat well, on the back and, for that. In your defense, Henry Ruggs was the first to come off the board in the actual NFL draft. So, uh, you know, Vegas goes out and uses that kind of capital. And they have all these guys sitting there. Um you know, I don't think you can beat yourself up over that. I think he would have gone shortly, shortly after. Um, there, there's one more guy here in the top five waiver ads, I think, and that's, to me, Miles Gaskin, RB17 on the season so far, who Andrew picked up for $21. And I think it really just bears mentioning uh, there hasn't been another running back that's really made a, a, a serious difference for a team that they picked up off of waivers. We'll get to a guy who's picked up off of waivers and then traded, uh, a little bit later, but Miles Gaskin has uh, been a really, really solid add. Uh, RB17 is is at that top tier of, of RB2s in our league, um, which again, I think, you know, Andrew's sitting at four and four. Um, hats go off to that guy. We've talked before about how I think he was counted out before the snap first game of the season. Um, and he, he's really proved himself uh, so far uh, getting out to a, a four and four start. I think Mahomes uh, and Terry McLaurin have done well for him. And and I think some sneaky value, um, Andrew uh, picking up uh, TJ Hawkinson um, has proved to be really solid. Hawkinson's actually tight end four on the season, which is crazy. Tight end has just been such God. a weird position this year, man. Um, but yeah, well well done to Andrew, I think, uh, has probably had the best add straight into his lineup at running back. Um, two guys that'll be early, maybe it's a little early to tell right now, Jermichael Hasty could have a big week, and then... Antonio Brown, of course, uh, Ryan and I drafted him with the last, our last pick of the draft this year. Um, but then, you know, as as do many of us, got impatient and dropped him, and uh, now he is back. So we'll see what uh, comes from AB. Uh, but that is going to bring us to our top five trades on the season so far. Um, Jacob, what to you has been one of the the best acquisitions via trade for any team so far this season? Well, you know, I, I'll, again, I'll, I'll take a second just to speak on what I know best, which is what me and Zach did. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's been funny the way that it's panned out. But Zach and I <laughs> sold high on Amari Cooper and Jonathan Taylor. Um, and I, I think we honestly we won both of those trades is the astounding oh, yeah. thing. So really? I, I, would, I would be interested to go back and see 
how many teams have made two blockbuster trades and won them both and then still sucked ass. So that's that's pretty miraculous on our behalf. Um, but, you know, we, we sold high on Cooper when we did, and then obviously the Prescott injury happened. You hate to see that. Um, that's, yeah. that that's nothing to – uh, to Riley's, uh, you know, on his behalf as far as decision making, yeah, yeah. it's it's it sucks to see. But Cooper is definitely trending down. Um, I think Cowboys as a whole are trending down. And in return, we got um, James Robinson, who's RB two currently. Yep. Yep. And uh, we got T Higgins as a throw in, uh, who's been outstanding. Uh, he's been better yeah. than Amari Cooper since the trade. Yes. So. Yes. We we kind of fleeced Riley on that, which I mean we're happy Riley's hitting at six and two, so he's probably laughing hearing me say that as we're okay. <laughs> um, but you know we we won both of those trades. I think we got in exchange for uh, Jonathan Taylor, who hasn't been great. We got Montgomery, who's been good. We got um, Darius Slayton, who's been decent, and then we got uh, Mo Ali Cox, who's been irrelevant. But I mean I, I think all in all we won both of our blockbuster trades that we made selling high on our two best talent to try to make our team better. And uh, we did make our team better, but we still can't win. So, <laughs> Well, I, I really wanted to make sure that, that we talked about that trade because, again, like you said, since the trade, T. Higgins, wide receiver 12, Amari Cooper, wide receiver 16, and their stocks are only going uh, – Higgins is only going higher at the moment and Cooper's is only going uh, farther south at the moment – uh, that is one where I am kicking myself, man. I was really excited about T Higgins, um, coming into the draft this year, Ryan and I, uh, drafted him, um, again, kind of in that tier of, of young wide receivers who I think had a lot of potential, um, dude has the guts to go out and wear number 85 in Cincinnati. Uh, you know, he's confident in what he can, can produce and oh, yeah. first game of the season, first game of the season, he goes out and I, I believe, uh, had less than a single point. Um, maybe laid a goose egg. Yeah, zero catches for zero yards, zero points that first week, and you're like, well, okay, they're just yeah. not gonna do anything with him. Let's cut him loose. And uh, and after that, man, he's been he's been a wide receiver once. So we're definitely kicking ourselves over that. That alone would have won it. But then to get uh, such good value out of James Robinson has been uh, pretty pretty astounding to see. So so well done there, man. Um, another trade that I think was was a big win here was uh, for Mr. Alex Lott. Acquiring Adam Thielen, who is on average this season wide receiver 10 for Devontae Parker, currently sitting at wide receiver 35, and Rex Burkhead, who uh, has done nothing. So uh, Alex uh, was saying even today that he he needs to get in the mix. Uh, He's got some Sundays to win. Um, He needs to get out there and trade. But honestly, I think the fact that Alex hasn't been making a ton of trades, this has been his main trade on the season, and he's won it. Um, and because of that, he is currently sitting at the top of the kind of four and four stack. Alex is, I believe, the third highest scoring team in the league this season. So um, he's definitely definitely coming back from from last season. Um, well done there to Alex. I think that was uh, some good value picking up Adam Thielen. Yeah, uh, Adam Thielen's another guy I have nothing positive to say about. So I'll move on. Uh, <laughs> Um, fair enough. I, fair enough. Who else you got? <laughs> I think John making the trade uh, for Edmonds after realizing that Kenyon Drake was trending down. Uh, I think that saved him yes. a lot of heartache. Uh, you know, we we got on him for the bust of the draft pick there, but for him to recognize that and then go out and flip a bad player, I think T.Y. Hilton was involved in that trade, was he not? Yep. 
Yep, correct. Uh, and then get it for the back in that backfield that was trending up um, and kind of be able to, to hop off the Kenyon Drake train. I thought that was a really good move for him that uh, that could save the season. So. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, I mean, if you think about it, uh, even just Chase Edmonds as, as a receiving option, um, in week five he had five catches for 56 yards. Last week he had seven catches for 87 yards just receiving. Um, so for him to be able to pick up that value for guys who, you know, pretty much were nothing, T.Y. then got traded for Golden Tate and Malcolm Brown shortly after in kind of a second deal. That was dud for dud a little bit. Um, but if Kenyon Drake's out this week, man, and that backfield is fully Chase Edmonds, I think Edmonds is really going to gonna prove himself and I think potentially win the job pretty completely. Um, and if that's the case, whew, I mean – you did see what Kenyon Drake could do at the end of last season when he was kind of the main back. He was putting up some monster numbers, and I think Edmonds is, is just as talented. Um, and in that high-flying uh, Cliff Kingsbury offense, uh, yeah, I, I, I think John is where he is this season. Despite maybe a whip or two early in the draft, he uh, has really done well there with picking up Chase Edmonds. And I think another one that, that kind of bears mentioning a little bit is uh, – uh, being able to pick up Gurley as well. Um, Gurley is proving to be solid at, at RB7. Maybe too early to tell there. Um, I think that was a swap for for Tyler Boyd, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, Gurley is RB7? Yes. What? <laughs> <laughs> Which I think says something about the state of fantasy football this year more than, than anything else. But he is RB7 for one reason, Jacob. He has eight touchdowns this season. Eight yeah, touchdowns. I mean, he... he uh, I think if he doesn't get that goal line work, one of which he was trying not to score a touchdown and accidentally fell into the end zone against the Lions, uh, which was kind of a passing of the torch. The Falcons are like the new Lions in a way. So that was really fun for me to watch a couple weeks ago. Um, But yeah, I mean, rushing yards on the season. um, He's only cracked 100 yards once. And he, he, other than that game, doesn't have another game where he surpassed 80 yards rushing, but he's finding a way into the end zone. So Gurley for Boyd, I think is kind of a, an interesting trade there, but nonetheless, um, John's finding a way to, to make it happen. Um, any other trades that stand out to you, Jacob, as, as a, a dub? Uh, you know, I'll mention one more season saver, you know, that, that I think Mason pulled off, uh, which I'm pretty sure I could be remembering incorrectly because I was intoxicated, but I'm pretty sure Mason pulled off the Mike Davis trade at Alex's bachelor party. Wow. And, uh, because the McCaffrey injury had happened and there was a handcuff swap where Trent and Hunter, I believe, could benefit from having Pollard and Mason could benefit from having Davis. And so they pulled off this handcuff swap that ended up being huge. Um, you know, I think we kind of had highlighted in the beginning of the year, like these superstar handcuffs, right? Like Alexander Madison, Tony Pollard, um, Mike Davis wasn't on that list for me in hindsight. He should have been, but, uh, that was a season saving trade. McCaffrey missed a lot of games. Um, and for him to be able to plug in Mike Davis and Mike Davis had multiple 30 point games in that period. I'm pretty sure. Um, or high twenties. I mean, he was, he was better than like. A fill-in. He was great. So I thought that was a that was an outstanding savvy move. You wouldn't expect anything less from Mason, but uh, he kind of saved himself there of of you know four or five and maybe even six weeks of heartache of missing McCaffrey by having uh, Davis to plug in. So yeah, yeah, man. I uh, I I actually remember texting him that night and kind of being like, bro, what? (laughs) 
like what what's going on here? Is there is there another part to this that I'm not seeing? Um, which again, I, we we mentioned before, you can't really be upset for for Trent Hunter wanting to get their guy and Tony Pollard. Um, you know, it, cuff season is extremely important this year, as we've all found out. But uh, yeah, I think that one has has definitely kept Mason in it. And the one that I'm really interested to see how it's going to shake out was Mason acquiring uh, Michael Thomas and Malcolm Brown for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Travis Fulgham. Uh, pretty shocking that in a trade with Michael Thomas, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, the piece that looks like the, the biggest winner so far is Travis Fulgham. <laughs> I mean, what? On, on average, so uh, Fulgham didn't have a snap the first three weeks of the season. Over the last five weeks since he's he's come onto the field, he was wide receiver five in fantasy football this season. So, <laughs> I mean, what? I think it I think it's really interesting, man. Something that I'm seeing as a pattern here: um, three of the guys who I think were really big wins in trades so far this season, Travis Fulgham, uh, T. Higgins, and James Robinson, were all picked up off of waivers. And I think there's this interesting phenomenon in the league a little bit this season where you know, a bunch of guys bid for someone on waivers and you win, but then you think, ah, like I'm going to capitalize now while everyone's pumped on him and trade him. Um, mm-hmm. But maybe most of those people should have held on to their cards a little bit because uh, I think those are all all really good pieces um, if you kind of kind of take a look at it. So an interesting phenomenon there. Anyways, that's what we got on, on trades. Uh, with that, we are going to go into our top five contenders to conclude this episode. Um, let's maybe go from from five to one. Uh, so from the bottom, uh, Jacob, who do you think uh, is, is just squeaking into the top five contenders? Well, I mean, if you look at our at our rankings, we've got we've got four teams that have five wins, right? Yeah. And then you've got this, or you've got four teams that have five or more wins, I should say. Yeah. And then you've got this horrible jumbled mess of half the league that has four wins. So you kind of have to pick of your four win teams, who do you like the best? And um, like we said earlier, with Alex's points four being so high, you know, I think Alex is, you know, technically at five because of his win loss. But I, I think he may even be higher as far as my list of contenders go. So, you know, I would start with Alex and just saying, Every game that Alex was in is a barn burner. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this guy scores a lot of points and gets a lot of points scored against him. <laughs> so, yep. you know, when you're going in to play Alex, you know you're going to get a high-scoring affair. So I'm sure that can be frustrating for him, you know, in that he's second in the league in points against and third in the league in points for. So, yep. um, you know, there's just a lot of madness going on there. But I, I think Alex is a serious contender. If he starts to see some regression to the mean with his, his points against and starts to see his opponents scoring some regular weeks while he continues to score above average weeks, I think he's going to win some games. And I really think Alex could be a contender. Yeah, man. Uh, our game against Alex, there was over 300 points of total scoring, which has kind of been <laughs> the, the theme so far this season. Um, just Just been a crazy year for Alex. Uh, but I, I like that choice. I think, uh, you know, looking at uh, Trent's power rankings, which just quick shout out, man, as always, thank you to Trent for the awesome work and the spreadsheet uh, coming in out with the, the strength of schedule uh, kind of tab there. Always love Trent's work. Um, I think the one that 
that maybe sneaks up for me uh, into the top five. We're going to put Alex at five. At number four uh, is going to be Mason. And, uh, you know, for me, the fact that he's sitting at four and four and he has McCaffrey and Michael Thomas coming off his bench. I mean, dude, that that was the number one running back and the number one wide receiver last season. I believe – they were actually the two highest scoring players in all of fantasy football this season. And he is four and four without either of them playing for him over like the last four weeks. So the fact that he has weathered the storm and is still in it makes me want to puke a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, if McCaffrey can come back and be healthy, uh, again, the, the problem for Mason now is going to be if, if for some reason they split touches between Mike Davis and McCaffrey. Uh, but when you pay somebody the way you paid McCaffrey, doesn't make a lot of sense to do that. And then if Michael Thomas, if Slant Boy can figure out what he's what he's doing and, and get out there and play for Mason, Slant uh, Boy, <laughs> that could be could be pretty scary. So um, yeah, we are we're shuffling around Trent's uh, power rankings here. Trent had Jake Davis at six, uh, Ryan and I at five, Alex at four, Chase at three, Steph at two, and Riley at one. So we're gonna shuffle that around a little bit here. We're putting uh, Alex at five, Mason at four, uh, Jacob. Who do you see at number three? I think the solid number three here is Chase. I, I think Chase yeah. is, has built a serious uh, contender, which kudos to him. I don't think any of us saw that coming. Um, yeah. If I'm if I'm recalling correctly, I don't have a great memory, but I think Chase was one of the ones we pooped on the hardest in the post draft. Yeah. Uh, he was ranked. Uh, he was ranked number eleven. Number eleven post post draft. So he went from yeah. third lowest to third highest. Yeah, so he, he hit huge on the Tyler Lockett pick. Yeah. Henry's obviously been great. Obviously, he hit big on Russell Wilson. You know, he's his weaker players of Swift, um, you know, and, and Robbie Anderson have still been solid. So, you know, you're looking at – you're just looking at a really scary team here. I mean, I'm seeing wide receiver one, wide receiver five, QB two, running back three. Yep. yep. I mean, that's four players – in the top five of their positions. Yeah. That's yeah. good. That's going to win you some games. So, yeah. uh, you know, kudos to him of, of getting his guys and um, going out there and uh, sticking to his guns. Also, I'll say for Chase, he, from what I saw, if I saw correctly, he is last in the league in moves this year. Yeah. As far yeah. as waiver pickups, trades, all of that stuff. Uh, he, he obviously paid huge um, to go out and get Claypool, if I'm correct. Yeah. Yeah, I believe so, right? Was that Connor? Honest? Oh, was yeah, that Connor, Connor that got him? Yeah. I apologize. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, Chase, is, he's only made a few moves this year, but he's got a great team, and um, he's hes built it up well, so I think he's a serious contender at number three. Yeah, I think Chase is always the guy who kind of takes his team and then uh, kind of just rolls with it throughout the season. But, man, when you draft like this, who can blame you? Um, nothing else to say there other than the fact that, you know, when Russ – Russ is averaging 29.4 points a game. <laughs> I mean, this is this is what it comes down to, I think, in a lot of seasons. When you have a quarterback who, you know, two years ago was Mahomes, last year was Lamar, this year it's Russ, who's just slotting you in at a solid 30 points, um, you're going to be in every single game that you play. And then when you have a stack like that with Lockett, I mean, it's just, that's ridiculous. That, that definitely has championship material written on it and, Robbie yeah, I mean, Anderson, he's getting, I think he's getting 50 points a week from two players. Yes, exactly. And I think another one there, Robbie Anderson is just worth mentioning. Like you said, um, just been such a consistent piece. I mean, that's uh, Robbie Anderson's RB 11 on the season. So 
you know, a guy who in our league is coming in statistically as a wide receiver one and he's your flex option. Um, woof dude, that, that, uh, that's really good. I, I, I'm even, I think making a case for chase to potentially be, uh, even higher, but, um, I think, I think he's at three for, for good reason. And that's because these top two teams to me are, are just super strong. Number two is, is Stefan Albiero. Um, really really solid team here even with miles sanders uh only playing five games so far this season and uh is on by this week hopefully for for steph will be back in week 10 even with him being out even with shark being a little bit of a miss at the beginning of the season this is just a really solid team man and and i think a lot of that comes from the fact that Devonte adams and dk metcalf are absolute studs and these two guys have gone out and had multiple performances that are, are monstrous. In fact, I think I think he has had a monstrous performance from one of them almost every single week. Um, three performances this season of 40-plus points out of Devontae and DK. So, yeah. um, you know, that that's, that's like having two wide receivers with a really good game and one guy. That's been almost every other game so far this season for Steph. So if those guys can stay healthy and they can keep that up, I think Steph can post – you know, 140 plus points on any given week. To me, the question is, is Justin Herbert going to continue to produce at the clip that he has? Um, Dude has been fantastic. 22, 14, 23, 27, 38, and 21. Um, He has been really solid so far. Uh, The Chargers, even though they find creative ways to blow it, kind of like the Falcons are, are suddenly kind of fun to watch with Herbert. I was dead wrong on the guy. I just got to say, I thought... This dude was totally overrated. He is beloved by everyone here in Oregon, so maybe I just kind of soured on him because he's kind of the hometown boy around here. But that that was a great pickup by Steph. Um, so so well done there. And I think if if Miles Sanders can come back and produce, this is a a, a very very good team. Yeah, I, something I want to highlight on Devonte Adams. He's sitting at wide receiver seven, right? And my, yeah. my initial reaction, I'm sitting here thinking, like, oh, that seems a little low for how good he's been. Guy has missed three weeks and had one game where he <laughs> left early. He's missed three and a half weeks, and he's insane. He's a wide receiver seven. <laughs> he's not even played half the season. This, this dude crazy. is wide receiver one and two when he plays. Yep. Yep. I mean, yep. holy God, if Devontae Adams plays the rest of the season, none of us stand a chance. No, no, those are unreal numbers for you to be wide receiver seven, having missed three and a half games after eight weeks. That is horrifying. So, man, yeah, (laughs) if if Adams is going to do that, Steph doesn't even need running backs. He could he could bitch both of his running backs and and play Metcalf and Adams and and Herbert and probably would still beat most of us every week. Yeah, indeed. Indeed, man. It's uh, it's pretty scary. Twenty seven and a half points per game on average when Devontae plays. And again, like you said, one of those is kind of a, a throwaway game. So you really just got to hope you're playing Steph on a week that Devontae Adams is hurt. <laughs> yeah. Plain and simple. Uh, or hope it's a game where DK Metcalf was running 99 yards down the field to tackle somebody and then needs to take a breather for a second because he uh, was the defensive player of the game. So, yeah, scary stuff there out of Steph in our PPR league. Uh, having two monstrous wide receivers is, is scary. Um, and that is going to bring us to the number one team so far. Uh, he always finds himself near the top, as Riley was joking. Uh, he loves the number one ranking in the uh, power rankings more than uh, he even loves winning championships. Uh, that, that has certainly never been difficult for Riley to put that uh, is just uh, a, a contender every single season. Um, he, he is the... Uh, 
the Daryl Morey or the, the Patriots. I don't know what comparison you want to give, but his ability to find guys uh, late in the draft, early in the draft, to make good trades, to pick up guys on waivers. You, you gave him the kudos a, a few weeks ago about how every single time news breaks, like I think Riley knows Adam Schefter personally. Like he somehow added him two minutes before Shefty tweeted it. I don't understand how that works. but Got some fast uh, fingers. He sure does, man. Uh, Riley comes in at number one. Um, to me, I think is kind of in his own tier. I would almost put Riley in a first tier, then Steph and Chase in a second tier. Um, and then I think there's kind of a big conglomerate of the five and three, four and four teams with Alex and Mason maybe being at the top of those. So I think Riley's kind of kind of clearly the, the number one team so far this season. And that's despite, <laughs> despite quite a bit of injury problems. His bench is like 75 guys on there, man, because <laughs> – with Eckler yeah. being on IR, he's got a couple guys with COVID. Um, his bench is 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 lengthy, uh, but what what a squad Riley has built here, um, and obviously got to start with Dalvin Cook, 48.6 points last week, um, absolutely just torching Green Bay, 163 yards rushing on 30 touches. Oh, and casually also 63 yards of receiving. So that's a total of 226 yards and four touchdowns. Um, that's a that's God mode from Dalvin Cook, um, and and that's not the only guy carrying him. This is just a solid team all the way around. Um, is this is this the team to beat, Jacob? Is this is this the team you see uh, everyone kind of gunning for at the top? I think so. I think the the thing that makes me jealous about Riley's team is uh, my initial look at it. If you take rankings and points and and just looking at the players that he has on his team, I'm thinking. Okay, he, he let his heart on for the Titans get in the way. He's got way <laughs> too many Titans players. But it's paying off. It's working it for is. him. And I'm it jealous is. because if I could do this with the Ravens and it worked, <laughs> I would totally love to do that. I mean, I can't imagine how much fun Riley has watching the Titans every week. Yep. And they've already gotten past their COVID scare, I imagine. I, I hope they don't have a second. Maybe they could. But they've already gotten past their COVID scare for the year. And uh, the Titans have been have been good. They're they're well coached. Their their players are scoring fantasy points for him, and he's he's a fan of getting to watch them win. So I, I just can't imagine how much fun this guy has watching the Titans play. And, and if I could do this with the Ravens, I would, and, and I would have a blast. But uh, kudos to him. You know, I, I I definitely thought he was too heavily loaded in. You know, he's got AJ Brown, Johnny Smith, Ryan Tannehill. He's got the defense to boot. He, he just – he really loaded up on his Titans, and it's paying off for him. So so good for him. Uh, yeah. I can imagine that if the Titans continue on the path that they're on, uh, if I recall correctly, Mike Vrabel said that he would cut off his penis to win a Super Bowl. So I think they're a motivated team that wants to win games, and uh, if they do, and I think Riley's going to be the team to beat this year. Yeah, yeah. They, they are certainly uh, hungry for a Super Bowl this season. Yeah. Uh, I think Riley could potentially be looking at two championships for, for his Titans and for himself if uh, he can stay healthy and kind of manage. The one thing I would say with Riley's team, uh, kind of looking at it this week, and we're playing Riley this week, so uh, I'm, I'm keenly aware of how, uh, how much potential this team has to, to kind of pop off. Um, but the two guys I think that are worth kind of seeing, maybe the, the one spot you could look at Riley's team and say, hmm, like I wonder – I wonder uh, if this is maybe turning in the wrong direction would be Johnny Smith, who, after starting off just a terrific start to the season, has put up just two points, then one point, then four points over the last three weeks. So, so Johnny's not turning in the right direction. And then uh, Amari Cooper, 
um, has put up two duds in the last four weeks, of course, with the kind of circus and carousel of quarterbacks in Dallas. So I think if Riley can get that figured out, and again, he's got Raheem Mostert, uh, he's got Tevin Coleman, he's got Austin Eckler sitting on his bench uh, still to come off, Emmanuel Sanders as well. Um, he's got got plenty of options, to say the least, um, to slot in on these teams. Not only does Riley have the firepower of Dalvin Cook, who – um, is looking like the kind of guy who, who can single-handed you win you a championship this season. But um, but I think he also has a number of options in, in the depth of his roster, which is very difficult to come by in our 14-team our league. So there it is, gentlemen. That uh, is the top of our list of top five. Um, we hope you have enjoyed this episode. Um, Jacob, any, any last thoughts here? Any last shout-outs for you? No, uh, this has been fun. I, I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to us talk. Uh, I know I'm prob- I've got to be the least, if not tied for the least qualified person to talk about uh, fantasy this year, with tied with Zach. So I uh, love you boys. Um, I hope you're having more fun than we are this year, and uh, we'll, we'll catch you next time. That's right. Jay Moore, once again, happy birthday. Shout out to you boys. We will see you on Sunday.